1: So could Alabama's Tua Tagovailoa be an option for the Tampa Bay Bucks in the draft? What percentage would you give Jameis Winston for being the starting quarterback for the Bucks in week one of 2020? And Bruce Arians wants to keep the defense together, but he can't sign everyone. Who's the odd man out? Should USF fans tap the brakes just a bit on new coach Jeff Scott? And the race season is almost upon us. Will I be calling for them to lose 100 games this year? We've got all that and more with your mailbag questions answered 100% correctly on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Versnick. Before we get to your questions, and there are many, and they are good, uh, we have some NFL news, of course, that occurred on Monday. Mike McCarthy, the former Packers head coach, has spent a year uh, sort of in the lab, if you will, up in uh, Green Bay after being fired by the Packers. was been you know He's been hired by the Dallas Cowboys, and uh, – uh, I, I, I must say that I'm not surprised in terms of, like, his resume because clearly Jerry Jones has stated that he wanted an experienced uh, former NFL head coach. He didn't want to – you know, Lincoln Riley apparently wasn't an option, didn't want to train somebody from college, that sort of thing. Um, but Mike McCarthy gets the job, and, uh, you know, he's he's been spending a lot of time with you know, various coaches uh, at his house looking at analytics, trying to get up on the, uh, you know, sort of the the modern – side of football um won one Super Bowl of course with Aaron Rodgers now he takes over a Cowboys team that is run by Jerry Jones who is the GM and owner and is going to be very much the guy procuring talent but you know he felt at the end of his Green Bay years that they didn't do a very good job up there in Green Bay of getting him talent around Aaron Rodgers and now he's got a guy that'll do everything he can about that but I I, I wasn't looking necessarily for McCarthy Steve to end up as the Cowboys head coach
0: no, I think that's – I mean, you know, we talked yesterday about Mike Zimmer was the, you know, conspiracy mm-hmm. theory. And, of course, Lincoln Riley and Urban Meyer have been talked about and, and that. Yep. But, you know, maybe McCarthy is the right type of coach for, for Jerry Jones. I mean, you know, he never felt like he was one who needed the spotlight himself in right. Green Bay. Um, mm-hmm. you, know, you know you have to defer to your owner slash GM and Jerry Jones. Um, but what's interesting, and I, I could be wrong on this, but I, I remember looking it up. No coach has ever taken two teams to Super Bowl victories. Two different teams, that is.
1: Yeah, and and there's there's not been a ton of guys. I mean, you know, just in general, there's not been a lot of guys get second head coaching jobs. I mean, overall, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that list is is not as long as you might imagine. Now, you know, obviously Ron Rivera got hired by the Washington Redskins, but you can you can list, you know, the Don Shula's and. Um, you know, I mean, there's, uh, I mean, North Turner had about three jobs, I think, uh, head coaching jobs. There's been guys get multiple jobs. Jimmy Johnson, of course, went to Miami. But if you think about Super Bowl winners, whether it's Bill Parcells or Mm -hmm. people like this, they, they did not sort of accomplish the same thing and win a Super Bowl. Uh, They may have gotten there. You know, Mike Holmgren got there. Uh, mm-hmm. with the Seattle Seahawks and so you know there's been guys go back but not, Dick Vermeil lost
0: with the Eagles then won it with the Rams yeah
1: one with the Rams yeah so there there are examples of guys who have been and then gone back again and either won or lost so I don't know I mean I don't know that that would prevent me from hiring a former Super Bowl coach the thing about McCarthy is let me ask you if this would bother you you had one of the greatest quarterbacks on the planet in Aaron Rodgers right mm-hmm. and you won one Super Bowl one that's it well, we know a
0: quarterback's important, and Aaron Rodgers gets you the postseason, but, you know, there was a lot of years up there. He didn't have a lot around him. I mean, that's kind of what we're, what the, the narrative on Tom Brady is today, is that...
1: It is. You know, Bill Belich- six, you know is. the
0: narrative is Bill Belichick failed Brady this year, and not necessarily for lack of trying. I mean, whether it was Antonio Brown or Josh Gordon. I mean, they traded for Mohamed Sanu. I mean, they tried to get yeah. weapons around Brady. Just none of them seemed to work out. Um, Right, You know, and that's, you know, you know, whether Brady's skills have diminished some, you know, I'll let the experts who can know that stuff a little better than me, although, you know, to me, it looks like he has a little bit, but still could win championships as far as, you know, I can tell. Um, But I think so. If you don't have the weapons around you, you don't have the weapons around you. It's kind of hard to win. I mean, football quarterbacks dominate, but you still need weapons. Mm -hmm.
1: Oh, it's still the most dependent position um in sport. I mean everything has to you you've got to be helped out. You can do some stuff on your own. You can extend plays, you can mm-hmm. recognize things, get the ball out of your hand, um, just you know, outsmart people to some degree at that position. But you need you need everyone to do their job for you to succeed and, and I think I think that Brady you know it's interesting, his demeanor was such that he was almost not accepting but also not surprised that, that it ended the way it did simply because they had played poorly all year. The things that, you know, they hadn't done well, they didn't do well in the in the playoff game. Mm-hmm. And um, I think he was almost resigned to the fact in his mind that, you know what, even if we win this game, we're not going to win. We're not going to the Super Bowl this year. This will not be one of those years where, you know, we come out of the pack and, and we end up back in there. And, and for that reason, um, you know, again, players are the big thing right now. Some people have said that the Cowboys have some of the best talent in the NFL on the roster. Like you know, there's no problem with with the sort of the, the amount of talent that Jerry Jones has acquired, and you know that he will spend the money within the restrictions of the salary cap. But he's got big decisions to make on Dak Prescott. Um, you know, the, the, there's you know there's a lot of of tough calls when you start getting good players and you have to resign them. You know, so it's going to be interesting be what Jerry Jones to
0: and McCarthy do with Dak Prescott, mm-hmm. with potentially Philip Rivers. Drew Brees and Tom Brady all available, right? Would Jerry Jones go? Yeah, I know Dak's probably the future, but I'm going to go for it for two years, and and be a big game well, hunter, which is kind of what his, his mo is.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, Dak needs a contract, or he's not not going to be a cowboy. So I think right. I think they're going to have to decide. Well, they're know, not going to be able to keep both. You
0: can't, you know, financially you couldn't no. keep both. What I'm saying is, is would he risk it and try to sign a Brady? A rivers, a, a quick, breeze, quick to win a Super Bowl, and then draft another quarterback to be your quarterback two, three years from now.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, I, that's a great question. I, I think that McCarthy, uh, from what I've read, you know, studied Dak Prescott as much as anyone during his year away. Uh, whether that's coincidence or you know just something that he liked to do, I don't really know. But I think he's a Dak Prescott guy. I, I know this that if you're in demand and you have a choice. You're not going someplace, and you unless you're fairly confident that the quarterback you want is there, uh, and not not necessarily like the plan is to get one of these free agents, Breeze or Brady or something. But I, I gotta imagine that McCarthy's pretty much a DAC guy. I think Jerry is too. Now they have a contract impasse, and that'll affect the rest of the team. So we'll see. I mean, you know, he's already got a staff sort of in place. I think Jim Haslett is a guy that's been in his basement you know up there in green bay watching film so he might be their defensive coordinator there's a lot of coaches that he's going to bring with him um but yeah he's he's uh he's got a talented cowboys team he's not he's he's sort of jason garrett like in that he's not going to make headlines you know what i mean he's not going to outshine the owner of the cowboys i think that's important to jerry i think Mm -hmm. jerry wants to be the star of that franchise and he's got a guy that will coach the team and not going to be a glib quote and not going to you know, make a whole lot of waves and just going to go out there and try to win games.
0: Yeah, I mean, that—that that is what Jerry is. I mean, you don't have your own yeah. weekly radio show and press conferences every week if right. you don't want the spotlight and you you want it on you, which is what Jerry does. You
1: want it on you and, and it won't be on McCarthy. So the other news uh, that was uh, revealed on Monday was uh, Tua Tagovailoa from Alabama. He declared himself eligible for the NFL draft despite his hip injury, which Doctors still haven't really completely revealed. I know when they get, this will be the most scrutinized guy at the NFL Combine. I promise you that. The Combine, by the way, the scouting Combine uh, that is held in Indianapolis every February, the end of February, it was was actually created initially. It didn't involve workouts. It was actually created as a place, a central location, where all the NFL teams could send their medical doctors um, essentially to – Poke, prod, and otherwise examine and give physicals to the prospective you know draft picks that were coming out, and those guys would all go there, and they they you know sometimes thirty two teams would want to look at you know Tua's Tua's hip injury. You know that's the sort of thing that it was designed for. So I I don't suppose he'll be ready to to do anything by the end of February, um, but we'll get more news on just what what the differing opinions are, and it's always funny to me because there will be a report anonymous or somewhere that that it's uh you know it's a serious injury that it's something that there are going to be red flags about and that might be from teams that are picking lower in the first round that would like to see him fall and then there'll be others that'll say nah he's just fine you know and those will be the teams that want him in the top 5 um so there'll be varying opinions but he's doing the right thing look he he was injured uh, quite a few times with his you know with his legs um, then of course the hip at the end at Alabama he's not the biggest guy in the world um but I still think you know unless something, you know, doesn't check out, I still think he's going to be not only a first-round pick, the Bucks pick 14th, we'll get into this later, but I still think he's going to be sort of in the top half of the first round. I could be wrong about that, but um, it seems like when you get closer to the draft, more quarterbacks become talked up and coveted and, and all those things. So th- that's the two big uh, news items in the NFL on Monday. I know we got a lot of questions, not just about the NFL, but about everything, and, of course, the Bucks are on a lot of people's minds. So let's get to it. Well, we'll start with Les who asked the news just broke that two is declaring
0: for the draft. What do the Bucks do if he's available at fourteen?
1: <laughs> well, um great question. I would think that by the draft it will depend on what they have done with one Jameis Winston because, you know, the draft is in May and they have to make a decision in March whether to franchise Jameis, whether to sign him to a contract extension of some kind. Now, assuming that they just franchise him, let's say Jameis is back for the sake of argument. Um, that's a one-year deal. It's a lot of money, and you've just watched him throw 30 interceptions. Are you not going to take a quarterback if you have an opportunity to in the early rounds? I think you would. You know, I think you would, and and I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily. Now, whether it's Tua, you have a lot of needs, right? You want Jameis to succeed. You're talking about needing a right tackle at minimum. You may need some defensive line help if you're unable to sign them because you franchise Jameis Winston. So difficult to pass on a good player at those positions, but I mean, if you're, I guess fortunate is a word, if you find yourself with with a guy that was considered to be arguably the top quarterback and at least the top two or so. Um, in the draft and and he 's fallen to you because of an injury that you would then deem okay, in other words you 'd have to be okay with the fact that this is something that 's not going to give him problems in the future that it 's going to be healed uh, you know fixed by surgery he 's no more likely to hurt his hip than anybody else um, then I think you 'd have to really strongly consider it i mean i just the quarterback position is one um that i don 't think you can ever ignore, and i don 't even think it matters. Look, I mean, there was a time when Brett Favre had lots of lots of years left in the tank, and they drafted Aaron Rodgers, and he sat on the bench for four years. But was that a bad decision by the Packers? No. Bill Belichick and, every
0: two to three years drafts a quarterback.
1: Yeah, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo was a second round pick, Jacoby had Tom Brady, I mean, and I mean,
0: you know, you named you, the quarterbacks exactly. he's drafted over the years. Yeah. Ryan Mallett. There's two others. guys. Yeah,
1: right. They all started in the NFL someplace else, but you you know the Packers did it for you. They had at one time they had. Brett Favre, Kurt Warner, and Mark Brunell on the same the same team. You know, that that's what good organizations do. They don't wait until they're absolutely desperate and then, you know, have to go into free agency every year and get somebody else's retread or somebody they don't really want. You've got to draft and develop these guys. And this would actually be sort of a good opportunity if you had Winston locked in for a year um to see how he does and and to also not be forced to play, you know, your first-round draft pick. Now, will there be a clamor for him to play if Jameis goes poorly? Yes, absolutely. Um, but you'd have the opportunity to let him sit and watch and um, you know, see how a game plan is installed, see how it's executed, see how the corrections are made. I mean, there there is a, a difference between college and pro football, and it's, it's really large, especially at the quarterback position. And I think it would benefit – any player, and they used to do this all the time, but now the pressure to play the guys right away is too much and the investment's too high. Uh, you see these guys playing sooner and sooner, and, and I don't know that that's necessarily the best thing for the player because um, if he goes out there and he's not prepared and he has a bad experience, you can you can kill a guy's confidence, particularly if they've gone to a bad team. I don't consider the Bucks a bad team, especially if they were at 14 and got them. Um, I also don't expect them to last that long. A lot of people have been asking, you know, I asked a question on Twitter where do you think that uh, that Tua will go? And I, I've been sort of surprised. A lot of people still think, and not just not just people that responded on Twitter, but I'll, also people in the NFL seem to think that he's still going to be in the top half, maybe even the top five or top ten in the draft. That this will not, you know, this injury will not affect sort of his value because there's that many teams in in the upper part of the first round that absolutely need a quarterback and they'll take a flyer on him. Um, if they think that his hip checks out, so he's probably not going to make it a fourteen. But it's a great question, and if I were the Bucks, it would be difficult if he were staring at me and I liked him um, to you know to pass on the guy. Um, it just it's not good business to do that, and you know everybody would say, well, but you have so many other needs. Okay, we'll address them somewhere else because you should in in free agency they have enough money or should have enough money to address you know, the players they need to get back for the defense and then hopefully you know, have something to fortify the offensive line with as well as if you have to go out there and play. The goal is to be able to win a game before you get to the draft so that everybody you draft isn't, you know, I've got to have an offensive lineman, I've got to have a defensive tackle because that's how you get in trouble when you reach. And you want to be able to have players at all those positions um, and then, you know, you can go with the best one available. And, and let's face it, the value is quarterback is number one, always. Always the highest value on the board is the quarterback. And then second to that is somebody who can affect the quarterback, which is usually an edge rusher. Of late, it's, some of them have been defensive tackles who can rush the passer, but usually it's an edge rusher or maybe a corner um, who can cover somebody. Um, and then, you know, so defensive backs uh, usually have a pretty good run, and then you get to your inside linebackers, your safeties, and so on. Um, but offensive line you can protect the quarterback so so quarterback left tackle is probably number two uh, or, or three edge rusher left tackle however you want to split it up um, so you know I, I just I think they would have to look at it seriously it would be difficult I, I believe now there's also a possibility if he was staring there and there was a bunch of teams you might get a, a huge bounty from another team to move up and that might benefit your club more but um, my guess is if he's at 14, they'd have to really consider it, if, especially if Jameis is just on a one-year deal or a franchise deal.
0: John writes us, and he says, It seems likely Jameis Winston will return. What, if anything, can be done to change his on-the-field ingrained instincts? Bruce Arians and all have to wonder that, right? Intelligence, passion, arm strength are great, but going back to FSU as a senior, he's consistently been the same player.
1: Yeah, that's going to be the challenge. Um, and I think that, you know, initially – there's got to be a lot of hope and belief involved, right? You, you have to hope and believe that his second year in his system is going to benefit him. I mean, you have the Carson Palmer example. Now Carson Palmer was not a turnover machine in his career before he got to, um, you know, before he got to Arizona with Bruce Arians, he actually had really good success in Cincinnati. Some, you know, maybe not as much success with the Raiders, but um, he has hall of fame numbers. And yet he threw 22 interceptions in his first year under Bruce. And that's, that's the one sort of, you know, stat you can lean on is, like, you've seen this before. You've seen a, a big, the biggest improvement between the first year in the system at quarterback and, and all the other the second year. So that would be number one. Number two would just be that everybody else is on, on the same page with them. You know, um, we can go back and dissect these interceptions, and Arians did it for us, but um, you know this this system sort of requires a lot of timing routes, the ball getting out of the quarterback's hand early. There's got to be precision. I think precision is one of those you know one of those things that that occur with repetition. And now that you've been on the field and in, in real uh, you know regular season speed, and you've seen the game, um, seen made the adjustments. You know certainly Chris Godwin and Mike Evans got better as the year went on, and then they became injured, but. Everybody else, whether it's the offensive line or the wide receivers, I think would benefit from being in the second system as well. And then the third thing is just that, you know, assuming he's playing on a franchise tag, um, he's motivated. You know, I mean, and I think Jameis is a self-starter anyway. I think he works at his craft and he wants to get better every year. But he knows he can't go out there and throw 30 again. I mean, you know, there'll come a point where you won't be very coveted at all. Um, you're, not gonna, you're certainly not going to make $22, 25000000 million a year uh, by throwing 30 interceptions. So those are the three things I would point to is that another year under Bruce Arians and Clyde Christensen, um, uh, you know, another year in the offense for the for his receivers and so that they can be on the same page and make quicker decisions and be more accurate. Uh, and then the rest is just really hope. You know, your defense is better, so you're not putting him in bad positions, although he put his defense in bad positions, but maybe they're able to overcome that uh, because they've, they've improved and instead of – you know, giving up touchdowns after an early pick, you're, you're, you're holding them to field goals or maybe even keeping them off the scoreboard. So your team is better, your quarterback should be better, and it'd be, it'd be the second year. And I, I think that would be uh, really the only things you can hang your hat on because the, the, you know, the questioner is right. Everything tells you that Jameis is who he appears to be, which is a guy who does not protect the football, makes a lot of plays, throws for a lot of yards and touchdowns, but will get you beat three or four times a year just because he can't protect the football. UK Bucks ask
0: Rick, as of as of today, what percentage are you giving that Jameis Winston will be the starting quarterback
1: in Week One for the Buccaneers? As of today, I would say it's fifty-one point two five percent. I don't know; um, it's really a coin toss in my mind. I mean, I I try to take the temperature at one you know over there, one buck place as much as I can. I don't know that they're deep into those discussions just yet. They said it would take a couple of weeks. I think it's going to take at least a couple of weeks. For them to really dive into uh, the film and and sort of uh, meet as a staff and as an ownership and try to figure out just exactly what direction they want to head, they have to evaluate what's potentially going to be available in the free agent market because we don't know. You know, say for example, um, and I wrote about this Sunday, but let's just say that Teddy Bridgewater is the guy, right? Let's say they say, you know what, if we could sign Teddy Bridgewater, I would do that tomorrow. I would sign him as a free agent and be willing to let Jameis walk. And just move on, okay? But what happens if in the next couple weeks Drew Brees retires? We don't know that he will or that he won't. I don't expect him to, but it's possible, right? So you want all the information you can have because that's a if that's your guy. You know, say you've said, eh, I don't know about Philip Rivers, and I'm pretty sure Tom Brady's not coming in here, and I really don't think Brees is going to play anywhere else if he plays again. Andrew Luck is still retired. So, say that's your guy. If that, well, you know, you want all the information because you just don't want to eliminate, um, you know, Jameis from the conversation. And for that reason, maybe they don't even tell Jameis. I mean, I've been thinking about this. Like, you know, they said they would make a decision in a couple weeks. They they said they wouldn't make it known to the media. What if they didn't make it known to him? (laughs) I mean, because they really don't have to, right? I mean, he can proceed as if he's going to be a free agent, and then boom, if they slap the franchise tag on him. He can respond accordingly, whether he's down with that or, or doesn't want to come to camp or whatever. That would be his prerogative. I'm sure there'll be discussion before that about what he wants, what his value is, how much he wants to come back to Tampa Bay. I mean, he's told us he wants to be back. But, hell, maybe he maybe he reconsiders it. Maybe he thinks, you know what, the grass is greener on the other side. I'd like to see what's out there and get with a different team, a different organization that's had more success. and. You know, you don't know. I mean, time. Well, I think, you get I think away a lot will game, be told.
0: A lot will be told based on if the Bucks start having conversations with them about a longer-term deal, and, and maybe it's just a two-year deal to where you're not paying franchise tag money. Particularly if you want to use a franchise tag on Shaq Barrett. Right. You know, if those conversations aren't happening in the next say month, then you get a pretty good yeah, idea. If you're Jameis, you'll either be a free agent or franchise tagged.
1: Well. But what if – okay, so you're right about that. That's a good point. And there's, there's likely to go down – you're likely to go down several avenues at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. None of them are mutually exclusive. You're likely to do this. You're going you're gonna to absolutely evaluate the field, right? You need to know – get all the information you can on all these guys who are potential free agents, guys like Phillip Rivers and, and, and all of them. Okay, so Cam Newton. like You evaluate what is Carolina going to do. The first thing will depend on who they hire as a head coach. You know, they may hire a head coach that says, I don't want Cam Newton. Or they may hire one that says, I absolutely got to have Cam Newton or I'm not coming. Um, So you do all your work on that. Then at the same time, you know you have this thing in your back pocket called a franchise tag. But a lot of that will depend on how the Shaq Barrett negotiations go. You can start with those yesterday, you know. Um, You know you want Shaq Barrett back. Now it's just a question of can you convince him with a number to forego free agency to stay in Tampa Bay? And that number may affect how much money you have for your quarterback. And at the same time, you can go down the tracks and say, "Look, we'd love to have Jameis back, but here's what we're thinking: um, rather than a franchise tag, we'd like to have him back at about or less than what we paid him last year. So how about you know two years, forty million dollars, or one year, you know twenty eighteen to twenty million dollars? When you paid him twenty one, I mean, you can have those discussions." and hopefully not hurt anybody's feelings, but you don't have to commit to any of it, you know, because, again, um, the free agent signing period doesn't begin until March, and you have the opportunity to franchise them before that. So I imagine they'll go down all those tracks. Look, I don't think that, and you know, unless Bruce Arians or somebody comes in there and bangs their fist on the table, somebody like Bruce Arians or Jason Light or both, and in front of the owners bangs their fist and says, I can't do this anymore. I don't want any, I don't even want this to be a possibility. I want to move on. And I don't care who we move on to. We'll find a guy. Right? Whether through the draft, free agency, both, whatever. I won't do this again. Now, you know, if that happens, then then maybe you'll hear about it. But but you're right. I think a lot of it does depend on sort of where everybody is. And when I mean everybody, I mean where's Jameis? Is you know, is Jameis willing to recognize that they have other needs? that he wants the best football team he can play on that he could help you know his team by maybe not signing a franchise tag and maybe taking a little lesser deal maybe getting a little more guaranteed money for 2 years but having a better team around him i mean all that's possible yeah it's it's you know
0: it's going to be interesting the decisions they make and and mm-hmm. a lot of it's going to affect you know as we talked about Shaq
1: Barrett it's going to depend on what mm-hmm. quarterbacks actually become free agents well, JPP, what about, mm-hmm. you know, do you want a Domicon suit? Can you get all three back? I mean, th- those are all the tough questions, and, and it's an allocation system, so you only have so much money, and and we already know. Now I was talking to somebody in the NFL the other day, and, and I think I've said this on the podcast, that the Bucks are really, and they've been here before, they're damned if they do, and they're damned if they don't, right? I mean, if they re-sign them um, and, and uh, the interceptions occur, or that three or four interception game occurs, and he loses a game or two, because of his turning the ball over, then everybody's going to go, well, you knew. Why'd you do it? You knew what you were going to get. And then by the same token, if you don't do it, you're probably going to take a little step back. And what I mean by that is you might find a guy that's not going to turn it over as much, but you also won't probably likely find as dynamic a player, at least initially, right? So, you know, your offense may not be as great. Your receivers might not have 1,000-yard years. You just don't know. Now, could you win more games? Possibly. But only if your defense is really, really good and continues to play well. So that's the hope that Bruce Arians had, and he said it. I can win with another quarterback, so long as my defense is together, uh, and we have this defense. But every year is different. So, you know, it, it's it's really, I mean, it's a difficult it's a difficult thing to to kind of handicap right now because as I sit here, um, I know the debate is still ongoing, and and from my information, they're not quite there yet. You know, they haven't really done the work and and had the consensus conversations and uh, i mean ultimately ownership is going to make the decision i mean hopefully they will take the recommendation of their head coach and their staff but ultimately you know it's an ownership decision when you're talking about the quarterback position and that much money hey everyone i've been on the go recently phoenix kansas city chicago
0: All right, Monroe and Jordan both had questions, <clears throat> the same type questions. For mm-hmm. the same money they'd have to pay Winston, could the Bucks attract unrestricted free agent Tom Brady to sunny Florida for maybe two years and also draft his successor this year? Do you think there's
1: chances of that? Well, that's the old you're saying there's a chance. I saw a uh, one of the Vegas people, you know, they handicapped these things right after the game, I guess, or after Tom played his last game and, and, and you know, he's going to become a free agent or could become one. And I think the Bucks were like nine to one. Mm -hmm. I saw that too, and I was I was like, "Wow, (laughs) that's really good odds." I mean, I would have thought they'd have been, you know, fifty to one. I mean, because you know, given their history and um, where where would Tom Brady want to play? I was also equally surprised that the uh, the Cleveland Browns were five to one. Because as I wrote on Twitter, Baker Mayfield ex- is expecting 69,000 people this week. I was going to say, he hasn't got that so, toilet fixed yet, so you know <laughs> that's they, right. they might be looking to replace him. Yeah, exactly. And he's got to get that done, and he's got to fix this, the uh, smoke alarm and, and, and uh, mow the grass. So, you know, all that's getting done in Cleveland while Tom Brady might swoop in and um, and take over. I think, I think the feeling about the Browns and Brady was that, you know, on the chance that Josh McDaniel— you know, goes there as a head coach. So wherever Josh goes, obviously the, the the odds of attracting Tom Brady would, at least in the minds of most people, go up, right, that he would have a better chance of, of following his offensive coordinator, um, you know, because he's used to working with him. He knows the offense and nothing's going to change. I would think that um, the Bucks probably don't have a really good chance. The closest I can remember, and it wasn't a free agent deal, it was a trade, um, but was when – you know, Brett Favre was going to leave Green Bay, and the Packers had narrowed it down to the Jets or the Bucs. And some people, depending on who you talk to, will say, well, they were never going to trade him to an NFC team because they wanted him out of the NFC, since they were in control and it was a trade. And so that's why he went to the Jets. Others will tell you that the Jets offered more. I think they, in addition to a second-round pick, I think they gave him a four. For whatever reason, Bruce Allen didn't think that that was necessary, and it really disappointed John Gruden um, because can you imagine Brett Favre being a buck? But he, even Brett Favre, who was not in control of the situation, although they weren't going to send him to some place he just absolutely hated, was was thinking that night that he was probably going to be in Tampa. Um, that's how close it came. And so um, you just never know with these things. So Could you imagine you, you John, John never talking
0: about Brett Favre every day at practice? Oh, man, it would have been.
1: <laughs> I'll tell you what, man. This is Brett Favre, Favre whatever you want to say his name, spells it different. You know what I mean? The V comes before the R. All I know is he's got a slingshot. He he would have loved Brett Favre, although Brett would have driven him crazy the way he drove everybody else he played for crazy with the interceptions and things like that. But what 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 John wanted was juice. I need some juice, man. I need some juice. He was as disappointed. I will say this. I've seen John disappointed before uh, in the six years he coached here. I'm not sure I saw him as disappointed. <laughs> as he was the day that Favre was traded to the Jets. Because I think even Gruden went to bed. And, of course, the Tampa Tribune had the Dewey Defeats Truman headline. I don't know if you remember that. Mm -hmm. Were Favre Favre headed to Tampa? Uh, No, he's going to the Jets. Um, But uh, I I think that John probably went to bed thinking that he was a Buccaneer and woke up realizing that, uh, you know, instead he still had Jeff Garcia or Chris Sims or whoever the hell it was Brian Greasy. I think it was whoever the hell was here at that time. Um, so yeah, he was, he was pretty down. He's pretty disappointed. And of course, Brett played okay. Didn't play great with the jets. And then when he got to be, he retired and then unretired and then he got to go, you know, and compete against the, the Packers and beat them anyway when he was with the Vikings. So, um, you know, it was an unbelievable career, but yeah, that would be, uh, that would be akin to that. and And, and they're in the league, so it's not impossible, but really what are his connections here? Right? Like he, you know, he really doesn't have any. Like some people would say, oh, how about a marquee team that would be willing to just pay them as much money as they can that needs to sell tickets? How about the Los Angeles Chargers who are going to be the, you know, the second team into that new stadium? I mean, California, where he's from, pretty good, you know, pretty good football team They're moving on from Philip Rivers. Or how about John Gruden? What if John Gruden says, man, you kidding me, go to Vegas, I could have Tom Brady. You want to sell seats? Watch this, and David you know uh, Derek Carr can take a hike, but you know I could see I could see Gruden wanting that you know mm-hmm. I mean Gruden 's always been a huge Brady fan, so there are opportunity for him and I was reading Peter King in his interview you know with with uh, Tom after the game he got some one on one time with him, and it really sounds like Brady's open to everything you know it, it sounds like he 's excited about being a free agent now he 's not crazy, right, and Bob Kraft told Peter King that uh, I hope it 's one of two things I hope he 's a patriot or he retires because he doesn't want to see him play for anybody else, and I get that sentiment. Um, but you know, time moves on, and um, there is a chance. If you know he's he's a free agent, and they're not going to franchise him, and they have other other needs on the football team, obviously. And you know, Belichick has been as much as he loves Tom and knows he's an iconic player, and he's responsible for his Super Bowls. He also realizes that no one guy is bigger than that football team, and that you know one one guy can't. You know, can't control the entire direction of the franchise as much as uh, he would like him to. So, um, I don't. I would say not one and nine. I I mean nine to one odds. I would I would give it more like fifty to one odds. I really don't think it's going to happen. TL
0: asks, living in a fantasy world here. But if Andrew Luck decides to play again next season and wants to reunite with Bruce Arians, do you think the Bucks would trade the farm for him?
1: I don't know about the farm. Um, they would trade a lot, though. Listen, first of all, I think the Colts own his rights. I'm pretty sure I have that right. And yes, and I, I've also checked a couple things. Like, is it possible Andrew Luck comes back to the NFL someday? Yes. The people I know that know him say it's not likely next year. And furthermore, if he was going to come back, why wouldn't the Colts want him? <laughs> You know? And why would he want to go back there? I mean, is is as, as much as Jacoby Brissett is, you know, a serviceable quarterback who plays really hard, he's not Andrew Luck. And and the Colts might be that team that ends up with Tom Brady, right? Or the Colts might be that team that ends up with um a Drew Brees if he were to leave or or a Phillip Rivers. You know, I mean that's they have a good football team with a really good offensive line, a good defense, a quarterback uh as a as a you know, Frank Reich as a former quarterback as a head coach knows how to get it done. I mean, that's attractive to a lot of people. Why wouldn't it be the most attractive to Andrew Luck? Um, but Luck is a different is a different bird, man. From everybody I know that's been around him, um, it's you know they they weren't really surprised that that he moved on. That he felt he was as much as anything, they felt that he would have felt that he was letting his franchise down by not being ready, you know, by not, by, by having the constant debate by um, his health issues. And he got tired. You know, he said it after his press conference, he was tired of feeling lousy and, and and tired of, of what he knew was ahead of him and he wanted to just live life. And he certainly can do that. But if he comes back, I will bet you Bruce Arians will be all over it. I mean, I would bet you that Bruce will investigate that as, as hard as anybody because, um certainly he, he has a relationship with the guy and, and um you know Andrew can play and if he was healthy I think the Bucks would be all over it. I, I just I, I think it'd be how much you give up for it, well first of all you gotta assume the Colts would trade him. Um I don't think that would happen, so I think he'd go back there, but I mean if you if you thought he could play four or five years, I mean you'd give up a couple first round picks for him, I would think. Wren
0: asked. Looking forward at the next three years of the Buccaneers organization, how many current NFL quarterbacks would you take over Jameis Winston? He says, I can only come up with five. I'd like to know your list with the parameters of beyond the next two or three years. So presumably, I'm assuming he means Brady's out, Breeze is out.
1: Yeah, if you take Brady and Breeze, um, I mean, let's just... Philip Rivers easiest... may be out
0: at that point. Aaron Rodgers yeah, maybe easy...
1: even too. Yeah, the easiest way to do this is sort of look we taking Ben out of it? Oh, I mean, okay. he's what thirty four, thirty.
0: He's up there too. So,
1: yeah, with the health, I suppose. I mean, I guess you look at. I guess you look at the current. I mean, I always look at. I always say this that there are twelve teams that really like their quarterback, and they're the ones that made the playoff usually. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you take Breeze and Brady, they both made it, but you know they also both lost. So what are we looking at? We're looking at uh, the San Francisco 49ers. Would I take Jameis Winston over Jimmy Garoppolo? No. I don't know that I would. Well, let me think about that. Depends on what you're looking for. Um, Garoppolo, not as, much, not as much of a track record, but has played pretty good football. He's got the number one seed in the NFC. Doesn't really make as many mistakes. Yeah, I think... I think after five years of fatigue with Jameis Winston, you might look at Garoppolo and say, yeah, I'll swap that. I'm just brainstorming now. I haven't given this much thought. So who else is in the playoffs? We've got uh, Deshaun Watson. Pat, Deshaun Watson. I, I think you would take Deshaun Watson maybe over, over Jameis, even though they're, they're similar players. But I think Deshaun is younger. Um, he's more uh, elusive. He can do more with his feet. He has he has the clutch gene as Jameis did in college, but he's really demonstrated that a little bit. You might you might want Deshaun's future for Jameis's past. Um, you know we can look at uh, Russell Wilson. Who else we got? Russell Wilson. I think I would take just because even though he's older, um, pretty good track record. Never missed a game in his NFL career, which is just amazing. Manages to do it with lesser talent. Um. Although now he's, you know, DK Metcalf is a beast, so he's starting to get some guys around him. He's got beast mode back, um, but he could use some help. So I'd probably take Russell Wilson, Kirk Cousins. <sighs> I wouldn't take Kirk Cousins. And, and I and I look. I, I feel like I'm being unfair to him because he finally. You can't say he didn't beat somebody mm-hmm. um, that mattered. I mean, they went into New Orleans and won a playoff game, and he had his playoff moment. So maybe Cousins goes on and becomes a good quarterback and wins the Super Bowl. I think Cousins can get you there. I don't know if he's gonna win it for you. And I think that's what you're looking for. It's kinda like, you know, who's the guy that you can get that's gonna win win the Super Bowl for you? I wouldn't do it with Ryan Tannehill. I'm not a even though Ryan's done a nice really excellent job with Tennessee and they they shelved Marcus Mariota for him, I, I don't know that I would trade Jameis for Ryan Tannehill. Um what was that leave? <laughs> so let's go Patrick uh, Mahomes. Mahomes definitely, I would take Mahomes. Lamar I Jackson, one of the... Lamar Jackson, I would take as well. Yeah, those are the other two. I mean, if you were just going to rank the young quarterbacks today, I think Lamar is going to win the MVP. Patrick Mahomes can be one, one A, one B. Um, what about like a Jared Goff? Good... Jared Goff, <laughs> I'm not sold on Jared Goff. I don't know that I would take him over Jameis. Although, you know, he's been to a Super Bowl, but I think he was sort of a passenger, much like Roethlisberger was his first time. Um, Jared's got talent, but I'm I'm not sold on him. And again, this is knowing what Jameis is, right? This is if you accept that you're going to have a dynamic playmaker that's still going to have a lot of turnovers. That'd be a tough one for me. But I I still think that Jameis would trump that. What um, about Baker Mayfield? Mm, boy, that's tough. To me, Baker is very Jameis. Like you know, I, I talked to Todd Munkin. Uh, when they played Cleveland in the preseason about that. And what he told me is he goes, you know, they do it different ways, but there's a lot of similarities between Baker and Jameis. And um, they're both terrific leaders. Like, really, like, people will follow these guys. They both really work hard. They care about it. Baker does some amazing things on the run, like throwing on the run. Um, I think Baker will fight you to the nail just like Jameis will. He has that chip on his shoulder he's had since, you know, middle school. Uh, always the guy that was counted out, and it's real and and it's uh, it's not phony, although you know you get the sound bites with him. he just as Munkin told me he just kind of he has to kind of learn how to temper like things you don't say right that goes on a bulletin board um, because you hurt your teammates when you do it um, but that's that's who he is that's a toss up to me um, you know Baker and, and him what about so Wentz? Not... Carson wins. Other than the injuries, and I don't blame, like, people are jumping on Carson Wentz because he got hurt in a playoff game. That was just unfortunate. The clown, he speared him, you know, um, trying to make a tackle. And, and, and I don't think a concussion is the same as as a guy who, you know, uh, runs with reckless abandon and gets hurt. I mean, he was trying to get down. I think most people in the NFL would take Carson Wentz over Jameis Winston, so I'm going to say yes.
0: But Dak Prescott.
1: Um, tough one, but uh, – both dynamic playmakers again, more with his feet than Jameis. Younger or about, I guess they're about. No, your deck would be younger. Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say they probably would make that deal. Yeah, I mean he's up for a big contract just mm-hmm. like Jameis, and the difference is no one's balking at it. I mean, I, I, there's a number right that you can't get to. If he wants forty million dollars a year, maybe Jerry just isn't gonna pay forty million. But Jerry at no point has said. I really don't think that Dak's the guy. I don't think he can take us to a Super Bowl. He's not said that. He believes he can, and so that's what you're looking for. So if Jerry Jones believes that Dak Prescott can take him to a Super Bowl, I don't know that James, that Bruce Arians believes that. I don't know that he, you know. I don't know what I don't know. But um, at this point in time, that'd be a tough one. That'd be, that'd be that's another toss up. I, I I think Dak would probably get the edge just because. You know he's gotten his team um not much in the playoffs I mean they you know at the one year but uh but that i i that one's that one's really close I don't know a couple that more close a cool, couple me. more quick ones Kyler Murray yeah. Kyler Murray's an interesting guy um Kyler Murray's future for Jameis Winston's future well, look, I've been really impressed with Murray and i'd be intrigued by him he's smallish and he can run and you got to worry about him getting hit but one thing i w- i just was struck by is just how well he throws the football i mean he flicks it man he's got that you know that infielders sort of release and he can do it from different angles and you know the way the game is trending towards more mobile guys um that can run you know spread options and things like this i mean i almost I almost think that Kyler Murray's future right now, people might like over Jameis's. That would be another toss-up. That would be, a t- but but again, the edge goes to the younger guy um, simply because again, the five we got five years of Jameis Winston. You know that's the one thing you can't escape. You know, he's thrown for a billion yards, and he's got numbers that are akin to Brett Farbs and Peyton Manning. So, you know, is Kyler Murray going to do that? I don't know. And the other thing is, is he going to do it in Arizona? Is he going to do it in Tampa? But if you're just starting a franchise. I'd be really interested to see how many teams would take Kyler Murray over James Winston. I don't think before the year started, anybody would take Kyler Murray, but after the year he put in, and again, they won all of like five games, right? But, and that's not good, but he's with a bad football team. But I think what, I think people were really impressed mm-hmm. with what Kyler Murray could do. You got to run a certain kind of offense. So uh toss up, but maybe the edge to Murray again, from, from most people, um, and again, I don't feel comfortable saying what I would do. And I mean, a lot of these things, like what would you do? Like, I'm not in charge of the damn franchise, so I I I know that sounds like a cop out.
0: Well, the other part is too. Uh, like, Kyler Murray may not work in Bruce Arians' offense.
1: Well, exactly. But he works in Kingsbury's exactly.
0: offense too. So, some of the right. situations. So, what is your
1: well? personnel? Yeah, what is your personnel? What are you trying to accomplish? You know, could could he? Um, you know, I I I'll say this: Bruce Arians was really impressed with Kyler Murray before yeah. and after they played him. I mean, and I think Bruce studies quarterbacks and um i mean he called him a younger russell wilson and and i know how much he likes russell wilson so i think even bruce arians might be intrigued at this point to have a Kyler murray all
0: right we'll switch things up a little bit we'll keep it on the bucks but tommy says bruce Arians said he wants to keep this defense but you can't sign everyone so who's the odd man out i heard it's nasa love to have him back but i think he might get a better offer in free agency
1: Yeah, Carl's the one you don't hear as much about. Um, And, you know, when they had JPP, Carl was sort of the odd man out, okay? I mean, you had – before JPP, Carl was, you know, was one of their starters and and one of their premier edge guys. But then Shaq Barrett took off. And then when JPP came back, you saw JPP playing a hell of a lot more snaps than Nassib's. So that was a tell to me, right? Like – who would you rather have? Well, they're telling you who they'd rather have because they're playing a guy not just in password situation with JPP. Here's a guy who did have training camp, you know, missed six weeks, wasn't in shape, and they still put him out there for damn near every play. Um, so I think the Bucks have told you that and – and, and talking to Nassib after the season too, he seemed resigned to the fact that there will be a better offer. And again, because of his age, very consistent guy, you know, going to get you eight sacks a year, six to eight, somewhere in there, big motor guy. I think they really loved his leadership. I think they loved his energy. Um, is he as versatile as some? I don't know. You know, you're not going to drop him into coverage. I, is he a four-three or a three-four guy? He's probably more of a four-three. Um, not the biggest guy in the world, but again, um, I think the Bucks have made that declaration. Um, but it's going to all come down to finances. I mean, and you know, who's the odd man out? Could it be Nassib? Yeah, I'll tell you what though. What if Ndamukong, Indomit- I mean, Ndamukong Sue is not a slam dunk to me. Even though he had a great year, and I know that, I really know that, you know, Todd Bowles was so impressed with his intelligence, and, and there wasn't, you know, there wasn't any waves at all like there had been in some of the places he'd been before. And I think he enjoyed playing here. But he's year to year. I mean, he has four teams in four years, and he, he actually has other interests outside, you know, of football. I mean, he's really close friends with Warren Buffett and, um, you know, he talks about, you know, investments and in, in different things and um so you first you gotta figure out if he wants to play again. And then you gotta say, well what you know, we've got he was perfect, you know, for Vita Vea. I mean he brought the nasty, right? He he brought something out in Via that, that needed to be brought out and um very serious, film study guy, uh well prepared, you know, um and all that rubbed up on Vita. But can you find somebody who can take up space next to Vita the way Indamakan Sue did. Now maybe not be the same level right now, but but like an ascending player, you know, a guy you draft or develop. I I think I think you, that guy's out there. Um, I think Sue is is a nice piece if you can afford him. But I, I still think it's harder to find a guy off the edge, you know, um, even though. I mean, because Sue's never been a big sack guy. Now you were number one against the run, so you'd like to have a big guy to keep those linebackers free. But your linebackers with Levante and Devin White are gonna make a lot of tackles. Vita's back. If I can get those edge guys, I, I think I would be I think I'd be better served. So it, it could be that Sue is the odd man out. But of those of those that we know are gonna be free agents, I would say Nassib is probably the guy that's not likely to be. If they ranked them, NASA would probably be number four. Mike asked. How do you think the Bucks will address their lack of production in the running game? Well, you do you start with the offensive line. I think they feel, and I love the guy, uh, DeMar Dotson, but I think they feel as though they've got to upgrade um, because of his age. And, you know, Arians took care of Lamar. and What I mean by that is I think about week eight on, he didn't practice him one or two days during the week just to get his legs back. And that's a tough way to go about things because my experience is guys – The guys don't practice don't play as well as the ones that do on Sunday. Uh, And, again, I still think DeMar had a decent year, maybe not his best. He felt good at the end of the season because of what Arians did for him. But beyond that, I know that they they like the improvement they got from Ronald Jones. I don't know that everybody in that building is a Ronald Jones fan on offense. I don't know that that whole coaching staff is sold on him. He still makes too many mistakes for their liking. Um, At minimum, he's a – not a natural pass catcher. You'd like to have a guy that can, um, you know, be assignment sound and pick up blitz and things like that and not make mistakes. And he makes mistakes and gets his quarterback hit. And then you'd also like a guy that's uh, got, you know, better hands when he and, and is a better route runner. So I think for those reasons, I would be surprised. I really would be surprised if they don't consider um, – another drafting another running back. I don't know where that's going to be. Like, this is a question I can't answer. Most people say you got to be nuts to do this, but like, what if, what if Jonathan Taylor was there? You know what I mean? I mean, one of the, the, you know, three years, one of the most prolific college running backs, you know, in history over 6,000 yards. I mean, that kind of thing. I mean, would they just turn a blind eye to the position and say, no, we're good there. I mean, Peyton Barber, I love Peyton Barber, but he's, you know, he's a three, seven guy. Um, we saw Ronald Jones come on at the end of the year. He finally had a 100-yard game. I don't know. I, there, there there are like I said, there are people he's a young football player, there's people that really like him and then there's others I think in the same building that feel like yeah, you know what we could we could we could use an upgrade at running back. And if we did, if we had someone special, because I've always thought this too. You know, Ronald Jones has had 2 years and he hasn't run for 1000 yards and maybe that's not on him, right? Because the Bucks haven't had that many thousand yard rushers of late. But those running backs, when they come out of college and they're drafted in the first couple rounds, if they're special, it shows up right away. It just does. You know what I mean? It's just like, boom, we got this guy, you know, and, and off he goes. And I don't know that you got that with Ronald Jones. So, well, what about a J.K. Dobbins? Yeah. Right. Well, there you go. I mean, I, I think he's special. You know what I mean? Like, if you find that guy that you think is going to be a transformative running back, and, yeah, you can get them in any round, and you can get guys. They're not going to last long, and you don't necessarily want to sign them to second contracts because all oh, those miles have been pounded out of them. But I still think they can change your football team, you know. So, yeah, I mean, at Dobbins, was, I mean, there there's a lot of good running backs coming out that I would not just say, well, we got Ronald Jones and be and be settled with that. I I think they're always looking to upgrade, and I think that's one way you can help the running game because, you know, you got to go back and look at the runs, right? I mean, how many times – we always blame the offensive line, but do we know where the run was? Do we know if it was zone or do we know if it was man? Do we know who's getting defeated? Do we know where he's supposed to run? Do we know how much patience he had? Do we know if he's, you know, hitting the hole at the right time? What's his vision, you know? Um, is he reading the defense properly? I mean, we don't know all those things. And all I know is this, is that he did not – he had some long runs at the end of the year, but for the most part, he was very average to me. I didn't think Ronald Jones was special at all.
0: All right, we'll switch gears here. Steve asks, Should USF fans tap the brakes a bit on Jeff Scott? Not that he won't do well, but he hasn't won anything as a college head coach, and the excitement seems a bit overboard. Is it just to sell tickets?
1: Well, I'm sure they want to sell tickets, and um, you know the best way to do that is to win football games. So I think Jeff Scott, look, I've been impressed with him. I mean... You know, is it a guarantee that he's going to come in here and light the world on fire and they're going to win the AAC next year? No. It takes players to win. Now ask yourself this. If you're a young player who's considering some of these programs, even in the state of Florida but certainly elsewhere, you you know, you're thinking about going to, uh, I don't know, Minnesota and being, playing for P.J. Fleck or um, going to Iowa or Indiana or, you know, maybe even Michigan, you know if if you have a chance to stay home and play for a dynamic coach that's you know been there and knows what it looks like and and um you can build something with him I would think that'd be really appealing I mean I've not seen anything or heard anything from Jeff Scott that I'm not impressed by I think he's going to work his butt off and I think having him in the national championship game as a co-offensive coordinator is a good thing right he can call from that venue and Tell guys, hey, I, I've been to the mountaintop, I've won a national championship, I'm back here again. Um, you know, we want to do that at USF or we wanna you know, we wanna make the Tampa Bay area, you know, throw a fence around it and make, make this a powerhouse team. Um I think that you can sell that. And I think that's what I think that's the job. I think Jeff Scott is is off to a really good start doing that. He needs to build a facility, he's gotta raise money. It's a big job that he's facing. So Bump the brakes. I mean, if you're talking about is he going to win the AAC next year, probably not. I don't, you know, I don't know USF well enough to know that I could predict that. But I think in three years you're going to be really happy with what he is. Because this guy was, he was born to coach. I mean, he was, you know, they say he was like a freaking coach when he was 8 and 12 years old, you know. I mean, his dad was a coach. He's been around it for a long time. This is what he's known he's wanted to do. And he's still what, all of what, 34 years old or something like that? Um. I I'm buying the hype and I'm I'm going I'm to ride it. I like his staff. I I think it's legit. And uh, until he proves proves me otherwise, I'd be excited if I was a USF fan. Am I wrong about that, Steve? Or have you seen anything that you don't like about the guy? No, I I
0: like the hire.
1: I think I think it's all good. I think look, fans
0: should be excited. I mean, mm-hmm. you've gone from the last three seasons of ten and two to what was it six and seven or seven and six to four and eight. You want that excitement. I mean, it, it's hope. I and mean, we talk about it with the Glazers all the time. They're selling hope. Yeah, they sell hope. Yeah. Well, that's what that's what colleges and, and teams do when you make changes. Is you hope you don't make a change and everyone's going, eh? That's not okay. We'll, we'll see. I mean, that's not that's not what you want. You hope. I mean, Mm-mm. look, his pedigree says he should be successful. I like what I like the moves he's done. I like everything he's done so far. Time will tell. It's mm-hmm. in a tougher AAC than it's been in years past. As the the, mm-hmm. the league has gotten a lot better, so it, it's going to be a challenge. But I, I couldn't tell you somebody else I'd rather have in that position at this point. I, I like right. everything and, about and, it, and he
1: wants to be here too. I mean, that's part of it too, right? You know, and he, and you, you, I was just going to say he's recruited this area. I mean, that's the thing. Like he has relationships and has been successful getting guys to go to Clemson from East Lake and you know all these teams around here. So that's another plus. And as Matt Baker's told us many times, you know one of the things
0: Charlie Strong did is kind of turn off a lot of the local coaches right. and the recruiting in the area. And that's one thing Jeff Scott's going to turn around. And when you're a school like USF, UCF, et cetera, and especially in a, in a state as, as that produces as many players as Florida does, you've got to be able to recruit locally. You can't turn off those coaches and those programs locally. No. You need to you need to be there, lack of a better word, friends or you know, you need to be there all the time recruiting and, and you know, and as they always say in sales, always be closing. That, and that's what you mm-hmm. have to do at the local level when you have this much talent around, which Tampa Bay does. And I think Jeff Scott's right. gonna I mean, bring that back to USF.
1: They send guys all over the country and you know, Scott has that relationship. You not only do you gotta know the coaches, you gotta know the guy that's in the program in the booster club that drives these players to these camps at other over other campuses. Mm-hmm. That's the guy you gotta know. You know what I mean? Like who's who's taking these players to FSU camp and who's taking them to Florida camp and who's taking them to South Carolina camp and so on. And um that's that's who Jeff Scott will roll up his sleeves. And again, we've said I, I, I'm so glad that they went young and hungry mm-hmm. um and got a guy on his way up versus a guy on his way down. I just think it it's psychologically you know, I mean, and I like Charlie Strong, and I never thought he wasn't all in at USF. I never really felt that. But come on, it's not Texas, right? It's not even necessarily Louisville. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you know, you're still looking around going, hey, I used to be at fill in the blank, right? And I'd like to get back there. Mm-hmm. And you know the only way to do that is to win it with the program you got, but it's not the same. I mean, they don't even have an indoor facility at USF. How could Charlie Strong be excited. Now, a guy like Jeff Scott, hey, I'm going to build something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Hey, I'm going to put my name on this on this facility one day, you know? Yep. I'm going to put my stamp on this program. I'm going to leave it in a better place than when I found it. I'm not sure you can say that about Charlie Strong. Mm-hmm.
0: Less ask. Rick, the race season is almost upon us. Will you be calling for them to lose 100 games as per normal? I think by now they've earned the benefit of the doubt. I see 92 wins and another wild card.
1: I'm going to call for them to lose 100 games since you're a Rays fan, and that that's what I need to do. I mean, I'm I'm here for the team. I don't want to uh, I don't want to create expectations and then have them, uh, you know, disappoint me. Um, now, when I did that, I think a lot of people, you know, when they were breaking up the Rays, when Evan Longoria was getting traded and everybody was getting traded a couple of years ago, I think I wasn't the lone ranger. Um, I called for them to lose 100, and they they won they won like ninety 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 two or something that year. Now that they've won 97, and I – look, I was at game four um, at the Trop against the Houston Astros, and game three was very similar from what I understand. I felt the juice. I felt the energy, man. And I, and I looked at those young players, guys like Willie Adamas, and they were thriving in it. They were They were embracing it. They were reveling in it. They're going to be hungry to see it and feel it again. Yes, even in St. Petersburg, even at the Trop. These guys want to be part of the playoffs. They want to be part of the postseason. Um, they know they can win. Uh, now, you know, there's always a lot of changes with the Rays, but how do you doubt the guys, Eric Neander and those guys over there? You can't. And, and, and again, we've said this before. All of baseball knows what a good organization the Rays are. And if you don't believe me, just look at all the guys they hire from there. You know, you got a GM in Boston, you got one in LA, you got managers all over the, all over the baseball including the manager of the year in the American League, Rocco Baldelli. They know what the Rays are as an organization. That's what you trust in. And I totally believe these guys are going to get it done. And I, I think Kevin Cash deserves a lot of credit. But uh, the Rays have their own way. And, you know, um, I think their taste of the postseason will drive them. Uh, and, you know, I mean, think about what you could have with Snell and Glass now, and Charlie Charlie Morton for another year. I mean – you know, again, health is a big thing, but the experiences those guys had and and some of the success they had and some of those young players I, I'm juiced about. I'm bullish on the race. I can't wait for race season to begin because I'm a big baseball fan. I'm not a fan of the Rays necessarily, but I I think if 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 you like baseball, um you've got to feel like the Rays have a chance every year now because they've established that again as an organization. They went through some some down times and some transitions, and, and now I think they've got everything going in the right direction, and um, I, th- I think they're going to be good. So I'm not going to pick them to lose 100 unless you want me to, and then I can do that. I'll do, it, I'll do whatever the Rays fans want me to do, but that's more like Tom Jones is, is that guy, I think, more than me. Like I don't want to become Tom, you know, because Tom was always a guy, although correctly he's picked the Buccaneers like mm-hmm. 5, 10, and 1 you know, every year, and he was closer than I was on them. But last year he did um, say the Rays were a 500 team. But at least five hundred's not that far from ninety wins, right? I mean, well, no, they won ninety seven. Is... No, I mean they won ninety seven instead of. Oh, he blew, it, he blew it away. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, he thought they would be better, but he still didn't have them with ninety wins, even though they had won ninety the year right. before. Right. He thought they would take a slide back. Um, I don't think they're gonna. Do, what do you do? You think they're gonna slide back? I don't really know that they're gonna slide back
0: necessarily. But I'm, I'm gonna be curious what moves they make in the next six weeks because they're not done yeah. making moves. I mean, this is their time of year now where they start. Changing things up and everyone goes, What are the Rays doing? Oh my goodness. Mm. And you know, we've done that what for how many years in a row now? We've said that. Um you know, I, I still think they they could use some help in the bullpen, they still need some right-handed bats. Mm-hmm. I'm still not sold their catching positions done. Um you know, when they couldn't resign Darno. So it's gonna be curious what, what moves they make. Um, you know, we know the Yankees signed Garrett Cole in the division, right. you know, so the rich get richer there. Uh, What Bloom does in Boston will be interesting Um, and and the moves he's going to, you know, may or may not make there to to know what the Rays are going to do. I mean, the hard part is they're still in the AL East and they have Boston and New York. That's your problem.
1: Well, that's always your problem, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, you're going to, you know, to win that division is damn near impossible. and, And, you know, then to get a wild card, you still have to win. 90-plus 90, 90 games, 92, 94, 95 last year, you know, 96, whatever. So, But you're, you're hoping for a healthy Blake Snell for the season. You're
0: hoping Tyler yes. Glassnell's healthy most of the season. Oh, yes. If Charlie Morton can do close to what he did last year, doesn't even have to be as good as he was last year. If you can keep the other two of those guys healthy. Um, right. How much does Brent Honeywell come back? Um, you know, so Anthony Bondo will be back. You know, you're going to have mm-hmm. a lot more options pitching-wise. Um, so yeah. you know, it, it, you know, and all that dep- You know, all those things can change. You know, in a moment, So how will Hunter Renfro do? Um, you know, so it's going to be. It, I I, I want to see what they do the next six weeks before you sit there and say how many games they may win or not. But uh, you know, but have they earned the benefit of the doubt? Absolutely, they have.
1: Yeah, I I think so too. And I won't like I said the hundred the hundred loss thing was two years ago, and then last year I thought they would do well. I don't think I picked them to lose a hundred. Uh, I, I think we said
0: we'll, so we'll pick them to lose a hundred again, so that they win ninety. I think was, yeah, it was exactly. more tongue in cheek exactly but yeah
1: right. So I mean okay, they're going to lose a hundred, and then we'll see you know we'll see them in the playoffs. And if Houston doesn't cheat this year, then maybe they'll go even further than they did last year. Who knows? I'll be curious what it's happens unfair. with that too. So when is that coming out? By the way, well they're still wait I mean for
0: well they're investigating multiple seasons at this point now too. So uh, okay. Um, you know, I, I imagine. I think that's
1: going to be bad, man. That's going to be bad when they hand that out, don't you think?
0: Well, it, it depends on if they're guilty. I mean, and you have to at this point. Of course, they're I'm, guilty. No. <laughs> we do have a presumption of innocence in this country for the most part. Yeah. Um, although sometimes that seems to go away. But assuming they're guilty, and and, and how much it, did it go over multiple seasons in that too? Um, was it part? Did they do it in seventeen when they won the World Series? You know, I, I've told you, you on this podcast. Guys, I, I, I think you, I think you should suspend the manager and the, the GM for at least a season, if not more, and force the owner to sell the team.
1: When you've got players that were on the team mm-hmm. that are now telling you what they did while they were with the Houston yeah, Astros, yeah. I mean, I think that's compelling evidence, man. I, well, I, and that's before they got into emails and yeah. you know all the social media stuff that they're going to pull and and the interviews they're going to do with everybody. Um, I mean, this isn't the OJ trial, I get it, but I'm just saying like, it seems overwhelming. And then you, you know, we've seen the videos, we've heard the, the drum beats and, you know, I mean, your own mind can tell you that there must be something there. I'm just amazed that there must be some protocol in baseball that says when you're with one organization and you're told to do something, you don't then take that information and make it public ever. Like there's some code, you know, that, Hey, what we did in Houston stays in Houston. Well, well er- er- Eric Weddle Houston. wasn't
0: going to do that in the NFL, so.
1: Yeah. No, that's true. Yeah. And I, I mean, can see why that happens. But. Yeah.
0: So it'll, it's that that punishment will be interesting Whatever I assume they would like to have it before the season started, but. Sure. It may depend on where the investigation takes them and how far. I told you what I would do. It, 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 it'll it, never it, happen. And all of a sudden there's more teams involved in this. I mean, that could, you know, this investigation could well, have a lot the, of things, that's, too.
1: Boy, that's a good point there, too. You know, you could you could have other teams that that maybe didn't do it that way, but did it another way. Or right, players from the Astros or, that
0: went to other teams, and then they started doing it. I mean, as the, you're talking it to people, the norm. yeah, this can be. You know, who knows where this investigation will go, and, and so that may determine oh, that's true. how long it goes on. Is how deep is that's it, true. and how widespread is it in baseball?
1: Right, right. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, it's hey, wasn't just one guy that used steroids, right? It was more than one, so no, no, it was a baseball they problem. They never
0: got tested for that. They'd, you can't prove anything.
1: No, but you know what I'm saying. Like, when the steroid era occurred, no, no, it wasn't I, just yes. one guy on one team. You I, know what I, I mean? It became uh, – yeah. and, and to your point, it could be a baseball problem. It might not just be an Astros problem. Yeah. So they got to hope that there's others, you know, by association, that there's others that are guilty so that they're not the Lone Rangers. Yeah. Otherwise, I told you what I would do. I'd ban them from the full season. It would be, un- be unprecedented, but, boy, would that send a message.
0: I'd, I'd force the owner to sell. You want to cut that out bigger. in baseball? <laughs> you want to cut that out? And that's, baseball has the right yeah. to do
1: that. Yeah.
0: And they're bylaws. Yeah, you're right. To, you, know, you can't move a team without baseball's permission, and they can force you to sell. And they can, yeah, they can tell you you can't buy a team.
1: That would stop it. I mean, that would stop you want to sure.
0: stop things? That's, that's what you do. Cut off the
1: owners. You're right. You're absolutely right. Hey, we've gone long on this one. That's all the time we have for your questions, but there's still more left over, so we'll address some of those as the week goes on. When you don't have to wait for a mailbag, you can always uh, send us your questions at any time uh, on Twitter at Sportsday TV. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at Tampa Bay dot com. And tomorrow we're going to have my good buddy and former radio partner, Times columnist uh, Nostra Thomas, Tom Jones, will join us now with the Pointer Media Institute. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, played tonight against Vancouver. And Remember, he's the one that predicted correctly that after Christmas these guys would get going, and they have. So the Lightning looking for eight in a row against the Canucks. We're going to have Diana Neros later this week, the uh, Times beat writer that covers the Lightning. And we'll, of course, preview the NFL Divisional Playoff round coming up over the weekend. So we hope you enjoyed the podcast. Thanks for the questions. For Steve Verstink, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody.